0: Hello. Hi, Bill. This is Rebecca with Ashray Journal. Good morning. How are you today?
1: I am doing fine. Beautiful sunny day.
0: Glad to hear it. Thank you for joining us on hot air.
1: Well, I'm very glad to be here, and thank you for inviting me.
0: Issue you wrote about marginal carbon factors. First, can you tell us briefly about how electric production is controlled and managed?
1: Okay, well, this is a big subject, but I'm going to give you the the short of it. In most areas of the country, there's actually what's called an independent system operator that actually runs the electric grid. They buy electricity from various suppliers and they then supply it to the various loads. The suppliers may be deregulated in many parts of the country, but in other parts of the country, they may still be regulated utilities. But the operation is largely the same, and the economic approach is largely the same. Now, what I'll talk about today is the way it's done right in deregulated areas. Just to be brief, as it happens, the economics comes out the same in regulated areas. So essentially, the functions of the grid are the same. Basically, the grid needs to find electric resources and meet demand, electric demand. And with electricity, we don't have much in the line of storage on the grid today. That may change in the future. But effectively, the independent system operators uh, have to basically bring in supply to meet demand simultaneously with the moves in that demand because there is basically no storage. So they have to respond quickly and bring in generating resources to meet the demand.
0: Got it. What determines how planned resources are distributed or dispatched, as you refer to it in the article?
1: This is the next thing the ISO has to deal with, and that is who are they going to call upon, which power plants are they going to call upon to meet the current demand? And In doing that, what the ISO does in most of the most populated states in the country, or in some cases, the statewide power utility may be doing it, is that they look at all of the available generators and they ask these generators to bid in a price for electricity. In most areas of the country, they do this every hour. In some areas of the country, they do this every five minutes. Needless to say, what we we're visualizing as an auction is actually happening on computer, and so it goes very fast. Now, what are they asking for? They're asking for the generator, available generators, to bid in not their price for electricity, but the lowest price they will accept for electricity. This is it's actually referred to as a Dutch a reverse auction. But they're asking, once again, for the lowest price the generating plant will accept and still be willing to generate. Then they look at all those prices and they arrange them from the lowest to the highest. And they look at how much capacity all of those plants have bid. And they say, okay, how many of these plants do I have to turn on today? And they go from the lowest to the highest price and cut it off at the current demand for let's say the following hour that sets the price so in general you think about doing this game and the generating plants have just put in what is their lowest price they'll accept well what would they base that on they'll base that on generally their fuel costs and any marginal maintenance in other words the lowest price they'll accept is going to be the amount of money they would save if they did not operate so now you think about solar a solar plant if the sun is shining what does it save by not turning the solar plant on and the answer is very very little so solar may actually bid in at zero which may shock many people wind if the wind is blowing they may bid in at zero nuclear will bid in very low, because nuclear plants basically have to operate. If you shut down a nuclear plant for any reason, it's shut down for a week. So basically, they're a must-run plant. And the next set of plants going up in bid price is almost always natural gas, gas turbine-generating plants. And if they don't operate, they save the cost of the natural gas, which is substantial so they're going to bid in at a higher price whatever price is bid in at the point where demand is met is the price for everybody so if wind and solar are available and they bid in at zero if nuclear is available in your area and they've been in at zero and the uh, natural gas plants bid in at four or five cents a kilowatt hour the price is set at four and five cents a kilowatt hour for everybody that points out that the natural gas plants are basically quote unquote on the margin as the demand goes up and down the natural gas plants basically go up and down in power output this is something that's essential for the grid to operate wind and solar and nuclear cannot be turned on and off freely depending on demand only the natural gas plants can so the way the grid stands today the natural gas plants are the dispatchable plant but they're also the ones with the highest marginal costs. And they're basically last on and first off. I hope that makes sense. Quick summation of what we're doing on the grid.
0: I think it does. Now, all that said, tell me a bit about marginal carbon factors and why they're so important.
1: Given that, um, basically the price fluctuates with demand. And the plants we're turning on fluctuate with demand when we look at how the carbon emissions of the grid are going to change as we increase or decrease electric demand we have to go out to that marginal supplier and see what's going on there and effectively those marginal suppliers are in order to make the grid operate properly today Typically, natural gas plants, although in some areas, they're actually coal plants that we are free to throttle up and down as well. And effectively, if you save a uh, 100 kilowatts of demand in any particular hour, we're going to turn down a natural gas plant or perhaps a coal plant in some areas. And that saves the amount of carbon that comes out of the natural gas plants which is significantly higher than the average on the grid that number is called the marginal carbon for the grid and it's what you really truly save in carbon emissions by conserving energy conversely if you increase the amount of electricity you're using that's how much more carbon is going to come out of your grid so the marginal carbon factors are very important now you might think oh, that's going to be awfully hard to estimate. But fortunately, the EPA has done that for us and done it for us in various different areas of the country. So you can get the marginal carbon factors, which, by the way, are in the article, and for various different areas of the country and use those in rewarding your energy efficiency calculations or in penalizing your increase in electric consumption calculations. I think this is a a very important number to have accurately, because when we're evaluating, first of all, we don't want to under reward energy efficiency by using average carbon factors. Energy efficiency is basically the staff of life for ASHRAE members. And we have been penalizing ourselves in some cases by using average carbon factors when marginal carbon factors would be much more accurate and would show that we are actually conserving much more carbon. On the flip side, as we evaluate options that use electricity rather than localized combustion of, say, natural gas and, say, heating systems, switching to heat pumps, we're switching to electric resistance water heaters, so on and so forth, we want to know exactly how much carbon is going to be emitted by that electric resistance water heater effectively or by that heat pump effectively because they draw... Electricity, principally from the grid. So we have to be realistic about this and then realistically compare it to current combustion options. And all of this discussion basically points out that if we want to make progress in the future on reducing carbon, we have got to have dispatchable, low, or zero carbon resources on the margin. In other words, the dispatchable word is very important. And hopefully in the future, we will see more dispatchable resources at zero carbon or low carbon coming into the grid. But we are currently, and what we call it is, all carbon on the margins. And because we're all carbon on the margins, this is the area where it would seem that future research and development should focus.
0: Thank you so much, Bill, and I I know our readers will enjoy learning more from the article.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: I'm Rebecca Matasovsky, ASHRAE Journal's technical editor, and you've been listening to Hot Air.